0: church. <clears throat> so we're going to dive into Exodus chapter 3 and 4 today, um, but I want, I want to uh, just see how many people can relate to uh, previous in life saying, I will never let that happen, and then coming to a place where it is exactly happening, It happened to me this week. Uh, when, I, when I came into Homer, one of the first things I noticed six years ago was uh, people's cars in Safeway were very dirty. And I don't mean on the outside, I mean on the inside of the car. You look at the dashboard and it's just a sandbox, right? What is happening? Uh, that's not normal. I, that's not ever going to happen. But I got in my car this week and I looked through the windshield and I saw a footprint. My kid's footprint outlined in sand. And I looked at the dash and it's covered in sand. And I thought, well, I failed on two things. My car is now dirty and my kids play in my car. It's not going so well. I bet you also have uh, prayed this prayer. God, if you will get me through this, I will do whatever you want. And then it comes time to do whatever he wants. And you go, Please, no, I don't want to do that, right? And so hopefully today you will be able to relate to Moses. Uh, So last week we, we left off with God narrowing down his focus on a baby, right? A baby called Moses being drawn out of the water. Uh, and what happened was is, is he was then given back to his mother to be uh, nurtured and, and drawn, uh, raised, right? Uh, to be weaned off of his mother. And then he enters back into Pharaoh's house. Uh, and some of you thinking that, oh, being the daughter's son of the king might think, oh, that's this a great position to be in. I want you to reconsider that, okay? Because his grandfather tried to kill him. If you remember that part of the story, right? Tried to kill all of the male children of the Hebrews. And then his mom is the type of woman that takes a bath where they dispose of babies. It's not really a good look. Can you imagine having that conversation, realizing that I'm not really part of this culture. I'm one of them. And you guys, what am I doing here? How did I get adopted into this family? And mom's response was, "Uh, well, you were the only one available when I went looking. That's his life was probably kind of messed up, right? And So Moses grows up in Pharaoh's house, realizing that he is not one of them. He is not an Egyptian. Uh, And so he looks out on the landscape and he sees the people who he can identify with being oppressed, right? Being uh, treated very poorly, worked to death, Right? And So he looks out on them and he says, I'm going to go actually get close to them and and see what life is like. And so he walks out into uh, where they're working and he sees an Egyptian beating one of the Hebrews, right? And he looks around, doesn't see anyone watching, and he goes and he kills the man. And then he buries them in the sand. And it's a prime dateline special right and so he goes back into pharaoh's house and the next day he says i'm going to do that again he goes back out into the land and he sees two hebrews fighting each other and he thinks i you guys are supposed to be on the same team right why are you why are you fighting and one of the hebrew men says uh who has made you prince or judge over me Are you also going to kill me? And in that moment, Moses knows what I thought was hidden and in secret is now public. And I fear for my life greatly. And so he runs off for good reason because Pharaoh has set out to kill him, right? And so he he runs off into the wilderness out west towards, uh, or east towards Midian. Um, And he gets there and he sits down by a well and he sees a group of shepherdesses coming to water their flock. And within a few minutes, the shepherdesses are are run off by another group of shepherds. And Moses, being the kind of man that he is, wanting to see justice done, gets up from his seat and goes and chases off the shepherds and invites the women back to the well and waters them and their flock. The women then leave and go back to their dad, explain why they're there so early and their dad's response was, why didn't you marry that guy? <laughs> Bring him here so that we can share bread with him and invite him into our family. And for all you single guys, this is now the third guy to get married at a well, right? I mean, a- apparently that's where you're supposed to go. Not a watering hole, a well, okay? And so Moses... Moses." Uh, ends up marrying one of uh, Jethro's daughters and having a son. And he names the son Gershom, which means three Israelites. There's only three Israelites in Midian now. And he says that I've named him this because I feel like a foreigner in a foreign land. I feel like an outcast. I don't fit in with these people. I'm not normal. And that's the way that I grew up. Right. I grew up in a place where I feel ostracized. And so he takes up the family's business, which is shepherding. He takes the flock out into the wilderness and he's out there and he's watching over the animals, kicking rocks. Normal day in the desert. Right. He looks up and he sees a bush on fire. And I imagine that that's a normal circumstance in the desert, right? Where things just spontaneously combust because of the heat, right? And so he looks at the fire and he goes, oh, okay, that's normal. He keeps going and he looks at it again and he says, oh, it's still going. That's a little odd. And a little while later he sees the bush and it's still burning. And he goes, that's really odd. I need to actually go figure out why this bush is still burning and so he gets closer to the bush and he realizes that the bush is actually not decaying at all it's not being burnt it's still perfectly uh, in its natural form right but it's on fire this is now odd and he comes closer and he hears a voice moses moses and then like any normal person he starts talking to a bush (laughs) here i am uh, and then the bush says, I'm God. Now, I would imagine that there are a number of you who have been in a local coffee shop and have overheard a conversation of this happening somewhere else. Oh, hey, I went out, and I had, a, had an, a spiritual experience, and I heard from God, and I spoke with him. And you think, this person's crazy. I need to figure out a different place to go drink coffee, Right. This is not normal. So what God does is he actually introduces himself to Moses. And he says, he says five things to Moses in his introduction. He says, I'm the God of your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I have seen, I have heard, and I know the affliction of my people. I have come down to deliver them and set them free. I actually am faithful to the promise that I gave to your fathers. He says that all right at the beginning, okay? Take note of how Moses responds to God as we go through it. And then he says, come now, I'm going to send you to deliver my people. Who's doing, who's doing the work? Is it God or is it Moses? Moses says, Who am I? Who am I to deliver these people? I I can't do that. Why would you you send me to do something that I can't do? And God says to Moses, I will be with you. And that's what matters. I will be with you. And then Moses says, You want me to go and tell my people that I talked to a bush, and that that bush told me it was God. Who am I supposed to tell you? Tell them that you are. God responds, I am who I am. The God of your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Gather the elders, and they will listen to you. And then you're going to go with the elders to the king, and you're going to tell him to let my people go. And he's not going to like that. He's actually going to refuse to let you go. And I am going to, with my mighty hand, reach in and take out my people. He won't listen to you, but he'll listen to me. And then Moses says, what if they don't listen to me? What if they don't believe me? See what just happened? God says, they will. And Moses says, no, they won't. God says, what, what's in your hand? As if he doesn't see, right? Moses responds, a staff. And I imagine that the staff is not just this little stick that Moses is hobbling on, right? It's a six-foot-tall stick, and he, God says, drop the stick on the ground, so he does, and it becomes a snake, and it says, that, well, I gotta get away from this snake, right? It's giant staff turned into a giant snake, right? And he runs away, but that's only half of the South Carolinian response. <laughs> I'm from South Carolina, by the way. I, you, you go to the shed and get the flathead shovel and then chop the snake into four pieces because the head might grow back, right? you got to be done with this. But God says, uh, reach down and grab it by the tail. And Moses does so without any, what? 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 You're, you're having a specific response to God, but when he tells you to grab a snake, you're fine with it. <laughs> <clears throat> and then he says, reach your hand in your pocket. Uh, he does so, and he pulls his hand down, and it's white as snow with leprosy. God says, put your hand back in, pulls it out, and it's fine god says if they won't listen to you they will listen to my signs and if they won't listen to the first surely they will listen to the last moses says please lord send anybody else but me please don't make me do this i don't speak good right In fact, the whole time, I haven't been able to even speak to you, which I would think is normal. You're talking to a burning bush. God says, I made your mouth. I make people see. I make them blind. I make them hear. I make them deaf. I made it all, and I will put the words in your mouth to go and say exactly what needs to happen. Moses responds one more time. Please, please, Lord, don't make me do it. the anger of the Lord was actually kindled before him. I don't know what that looks like exactly, but what I imagine was the bush that was on fire at this extent became much greater, right? And then he says, okay, you are going to do this, but I am going to allow Aaron to come with you. And he's going to speak the things that I put in your mouth. Moses says, okay. So he begins his journey back and God says, wait, one more thing. One more thing. When you go, you are going to go to the king and you're going to say, if you don't let my firstborn son Israel go, I'm going to kill your firstborn son. And so Moses travels back and he meets Aaron. And it's the first sign of, okay, this, this actually, this might actually work, right? So I want us to look at three different things that Moses is experiencing uh, during this call from God, okay? And I want you to to see that this call from God uh, for Moses is no different from the call from God that we have on our lives. (laughs) It's three things. The first one is this, is that God calls us to himself. Moses has gone out into the wilderness as far as he can from the calling on God, the calling that God has given him. And what happens is, is that God comes to meet Moses in a supernatural way. He shows up in Moses' life and calls him to his presence with a burning bush A little while later in Numbers, Moses is going to experience something a little bit different. He's going to uh, experience a disobedient Israel in which they uh, don't want to do exactly what God is telling them to do. do. And so he sends snakes into their camp. And with one bite from from these snakes, they die. And Moses' call is to raise up a bronze serpent. And all they need to do is look at the serpent and they'll be healed. Jesus, speaking to his disciples before his crucifixion, says in John chapter 12, and I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. See, God comes down to meet Moses and he came down to meet us. He put on flesh and left heaven and then sacrificed himself so that we might have access to him that we could come to him. And that's where everything begins. John chapter one actually says that uh, Jesus is at the beginning of creation and everything is made in him. Paul writing to the Ephesians in chapter three, Ephesians chapter three, 14 through 19 says this, for this reason I bow my knees before the father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named That according to the riches of his glory, he might grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, the length, the height, the depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. See, Paul is encouraging the church to, to know Christ because he has come. Moses' calling begins with God meeting him and drawing him in. And that's the same for us. Number two is this. It's a little bit more difficult to swallow. God calls us to die. This happens in my marriage pretty routinely. I walk in after a long day and my wife says hey can you do the laundry can you wash the dishes can you change that diaper and i say please lord send somebody else (laughs) and then she talks about uh going on vacation right and and I, i imagine vacation of going to a beach somewhere and doing nothing relaxing No work involved other than traveling there right and and her idea of vacation what she repeatedly says is hey let's let's pack up all the kids into our car and drive the Alcan and I think but who am I not me Lord, please Someone else I can't do that. I can't we like go to Duncan house and like we're in a booth and There it's chaos right you want to drive the Alcan with these people Uh, But I'm the guy, right? I'm the guy that that has married this woman, that has helped bring these children into the world, right? I'm the guy. That's that's my call, to, to do these things for these people. Moses is the guy, right? Drawn out of the water for a purpose, put into Pharaoh's house for a purpose, right? Acts chapter 7, Stephen is is preaching to the Pharisees before he's martyred, and he says this, when he, when Moses, was 40 years old, it came into his heart to visit his brothers, the children of Israel, and seeing one of them being wronged, he he defended the oppressed man and avenged him by striking down the Egyptian. He supposed that his brothers would understand that God was giving them salvation by his hand, but they did not understand. See, Moses understood already when he was in Egypt that he was called to deliver these things. And when it didn't go the way that he planned, he ran from it to get as far away from this as possible. Chapter three, seven through nine, when God says the five things, I'm going to do these things I've seen, I've heard, I know right after this, he says, come now, I'll send you to deliver them. This calling is the same calling that Jesus gives to the disciples. Come and follow me. John chapter 12, 23 and 26. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. Where I am, there will be my servant. You see, we're we're called to meet God and then lay down our lives, to choose his will over ours, right? He's got a plan. And my best bet is to die to my plan and to go with his. Romans chapter 12, verse one and two. I appeal to you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable." And so we're to lay down our lives, just like Jesus laid down his life as a sacrifice, we also lay down our lives as living sacrifices to him, being renewed in how we think about the world, how we think about what our lives are like, right? so he calls us to himself. He calls us to die. And then he does something truly amazing. He calls you to true life. He calls you to a life that you could not have ever experienced without him. That you cannot replicate without him. You cannot achieve without him. Exodus chapter 4 ends this way. Moses has met Aaron, and they are coming back to gather the elders together. Exodus chapter four, verse 31. Moses shares what God has done. Hey, I talked to a bush. It says, so the people believed. And when they heard that the Lord was concerned about the sons of Israel and that he had seen their affliction, then they bowed low and worshiped. So there's nothing greater that you can do than respond to the call of God on your life. He will give you something far more impressive to do than just earn money, right? I can't tell you how many times I have a conversation with ABI students who are getting ready to go out into the world, and and they're like, I just don't know what to do with my life. What's the next step? And I say, I don't care how you make money. That doesn't matter. Go respond to the call that God has given you. You see, no matter if you're a plumber, or you weld boats, or you stock the shelves at Safeway, your calling is to be a witness of Christ, to testify to the shed blood of the Lamb, and that He is risen, and that freedom can be found in Him. We are the ones who go out into the world and call people to Himself, call people to God. Matthew chapter 4, Jesus, sorry, chapter 16 24 to 27, Jesus says it this way. Then Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever would lose his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? For the son of man is going to come with his angels and in the glory of his father. And then he will repay each of you according to what he's done. I'm telling you that that is a greater reward than you could ever experience anywhere else. Ever. is by partnering with the Lord to bring people into his kingdom. You might be saying to yourself, Matt, I'm not called to lead people out of Egypt. Yes, you are. You are actually called to be part of a far greater exodus than Moses was a part of. It's an eternal promised land, an eternal exodus to the presence of God, being with God. You and I get to do that. That call is greater than any call you could ever experience anywhere else. Father, we pray in your son's name, we thank you for uh, giving us yourself. Uh, we thank you for coming down to us, to meet us. We thank you for giving us the ability to lay down our lives and to receive a life from you far greater than we can experience on our own. And I pray that you would, you would send us out to be your servants, to be your witnesses into the world. And that we would do it with joy because you did it with joy. God, that would you bear fruit in our lives, bringing people into your kingdom, into your presence. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.